Hey out there in podcast land, this is Mel again with another disclaimer. Um, this is our first non-car episode, which is good. Uh, we kind of did a faux studio setup with a few mics with um, along with our new um, co-host, Brittany. But um, I realized in busting out all that equipment for the first time in a while that a lot of it had been lent out and came back in less than working condition. So um, I kind of had to Frankenstein some stuff together with what I had uh, with some guitar cables. I think I used a couple of guitar pedals, um, a lavalier mic. It was true indie filmmaking at its best, uh, indie podcast making, I guess. But um, there are some, I mean, there's some weird interference here and there. There's some sound issues, but I think more or less you can hear everything. It's no worse um, than uh, dealing with the car noise. So uh, moving forward, I've already rectified all the te technical issues. So uh, moving forward, everything will be fine uh, whenever we do a studio type show. But this one, you know, has its, its warts still. And of course, this will probably lead to our don't loan your shit to people episode uh, because it'll either get come back broken or not come back at all. Um, but yeah, we uh, this episode, we welcome our uh, new, hopefully regular co-host, um, Brittany Miles, who is also an indie filmmaker uh, here from uh, the same area we're from. And uh, we make, and, you know, you may get some shows with without Brittany. You may get some shows with me and Brittany. You may get some shows with just Chris and Brittany. We'll kind of see what happens. Hopefully between the three of us, uh, we can all kind of share the duties um, moving forward. But once again, thank you all for listening. Um, Again, I'm surprised at uh, how well, I, I mean, how well we're doing. I really kind of just intended this for a select few people, but people from all over the world are listening to it and getting some great feedback. Um, we mentioned at the end of the show, but you can always find me at upstartfilmworks.net, at upstartfilm on Twitter. Um, feel free to um, shoot me a tweet, shout out, send me any comments, any thoughts, and uh, we hope you keep listening. Thanks again. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of Barely Living the Dream. Um, as always, I'm Milhouse, and with me is Chris Warren, and today joining us is Brittany Miles. Yay, hello everybody. <laughs> so, uh, I uh, mentioned before we started recording that I don't want to say she's a guest because my hope is that she continues to be on the show uh, as like a you know third host or uh, second host when Chris finally stabs me in the back and goes on his own merry oh, way. <laughs> Um, uh, just whenever time allows, because I think I kind of feel like we're all sort of struggling in a lot of the same ways. So I feel like she has, she has a lot to add to the conversation. Um, so I guess first off, Brittany, do you want to kind of get everybody up to speed on your origin story, so to speak? Uh, sure. Long story short. Um, Honestly, growing up, I had always wanted to be an actress, and so I took uh, tons of acting classes, and my acting coach at the time told me I had to go to college and get a degree, that I had to have something to fall back on. So it was in college that I started uh, messing with cameras and decided, well, I think I like this better, and um, got my degree in electronic media. So the summer after I graduated, I uh, somehow got just a PA position on a film set called The Preacher's Daughter. And I actually happened to know a lot of the actors on that set. And I quickly escalated from like the PA to I think craft services, if you consider that some kind of promotion. And uh, I think that's a lateral move. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely a lateral <laughs> Well, at that time I was, I was stoked. I kind of befriended uh, the first AC on that set and she sort of took me under her wing I'm sorry the second AC and um, she was kind of having some 
personal issues, I guess. So she was sort of training me to just sort of take over her spot and which I did. So it was really weird because it was only three. I came in on the last three weeks of the shoot and I went from just being a general PA to a second AC on a really big budget. So, mm. uh, of course, after that, I thought, you know, I knew everything to make a movie. And uh, like through we all do. <laughs> right, right. I think we all go through exactly. that. <laughs> so uh, with that newfound glory and knowledge, um, through some connections, uh, we got funding for a film called 869. Uh, which ended up being the experience of a lifetime would be probably <laughs> <laughs> the best, most positive way to put it. Um, I think that's the title of the blog, the experience of a lifetime, dot, yeah. dot, dot, <laughs> question mark. Yep. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think within that one film, almost every experience that a filmmaker could go through, I experienced uh, both probably good and bad. And so um, since then, I've tried to use that knowledge in, in future productions. Um, I've not yet been able to head another production, but all the ones that I've gone to, um, web series, you know, feature film, short films, everything, I try to take that knowledge. So really for the last couple of years, I've kind of been working on other people's projects in hopes of one day getting back behind the camera myself and, mm -hmm. and filming something that I wrote so right so let's I guess go back so you said you worked on the preacher's daughter right out of it was like right out of college it was did. right yeah what around when was that um it was 2010 Jesus Christ I'm old <laughs> you're an old man I know I know <laughs> um and so what and then eventually, I guess let everybody know that might not know what eventually happened with that film. It, as much yeah, as yeah, it's. I mean, it it got picked up by Lifetime, and so now it's uh, it plays on there regularly. Actually, I think it got like the most views the when it aired for any of their independent films, and so they mm -hmm. show it on Lifetime Channel all the time. But mm -hmm. um, it, it's interesting because I guess it was a very successful film. Yet at the same time, I got to see sort of the what I like to say, Charlie Foxtrot, that was on set. Mm -hmm. So um, that was definitely not not smooth sailing. So I really thought that it was going to bomb completely, but um, somehow it made it to the small screen. So I don't know if you know this, but apparently they've also turned it into, just looking real quick, they also have made this into a uh, reality TV show called The I saw Daughter. that. I didn't yeah. know, though, if there was, like, a actual yeah. connection. I remember, because uh, I know the director, Michelle, and she, her, her paths and I, my, my path and hers have crossed several times. Uh, she brought me into a bunch of Swamp Things. I actually taught their workshop last year. She asked me to cover for her. And I think around, she mentioned it to me around then, yeah. but I... It, I was worried about wrangling the kids and stuff, so it kind of like blew by me. But that just reminded me, so that so it's become like a franchise. Yeah, apparently it's like the Nightmare on Elm Street for Lifetime. Yeah, it, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> it took off. <laughs> so, truthfully, crazy. Yeah, but I think I mean I, th I feel like I want to say we all have that movie that we've worked on that we're like, how's this ever going to work? And then it comes out and totally works. But I feel like a lot of movies I've worked on are like that, up to and including my own. It was definitely the, like I said, it was the first feature that I had worked on and it mm. was so soon out of college. And unfortunately, it was my first experience of being very cynical mm. to a lot of people in the industry. Uh, just just that experience, or maybe I'm a fast learner, I don't know. But it was, it was I guess, setting the tone right. for yeah. independent filmmaking right out of the gate. Yeah. I would, I would say my first inclination is to be like, that's Houston for you. But honestly, like every experience, it's, it's the same. Yeah. You know, like it's just there's different. Sometimes there are different things that people are that, that, that get weird. But a lot of times it's like the same three or four things, which is funny. It's like this universal sort of dumbassness that pervades <laughs> people that want to try to make movies. Um so after so after that you got funding for your film right 869 it's um not I, i'm not the director on that film um i just shot it mm -hmm. uh we actually shot it on just a canon 5d mark ii um and we shot that film in seven days 
I do not recommend that to anybody. <laughs> um, I think I slept for an hour, so literally by the end I was insane. Mm -hmm. um, but it was the actresses. We flew a couple in from California, one from Georgia, mm -hmm. and then uh, the rest of them were from Houston. But mm -hmm. you know, the ones from Houston, obviously they were good and they were very nice. But the ones that we flew in really kind of blew me away because they, I think they could see some of the struggles and kind of just went above and beyond and taking uh, other roles, like even behind the camera and, you know, even just craft services. If they saw everybody was down, they would go and try to like make cookies or something. Yeah. Um, yeah but I, even I saw some of that actually. Yeah. Day gonna, or two that was there. I was going to say, wasn't that the set that you called me and I think I was on my way home and you were like, hey, there may be an emergency. Uh, <laughs> it was an emergency. You may have to haul ass to the set and help me. I think that was the one. Yeah, I remember doing that. Yes, yeah. this was and the was set like, that I met Mel on. Actually, it was. It yeah. was. I actually, I'm, I was trying sitting here trying to remember exactly what I got called for. It was. I mean, obviously, I didn't know you, but I knew Mandy and Cliff, and they were working on it. And they called me because I feel like you guys wanted to borrow my 2K or something. Like I remember bringing the light. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and I was like, sure, why not? And uh, I kind of. I mean, even in my cynical old age, like I still kind of, if I'm not doing anything, I still get the itch to be on set. So that's kind of, because I remember Melanie was like, why are you going to do this? You're wasting your fucking time. You know, and she didn't know you at the time, obviously, but it's right. because we've been burned so many times over and over by that same approach. But I was like, you know, it's, I don't know this person. She doesn't seem like a psychopath. Hey, Keith introduced us, you know, because like that guy that directed your movie was the reason that I met my wife, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I owed him some weird things. So I was like, sure, he can borrow my light. We're, we, we're just married now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I remember coming up and bringing the light and then... Uh, and then we kind of gave you a kill scene, I think, is <laughs> yeah, the progression I was, of that. I was actually thinking about... And you know, it was cool for me to... Because I, I knew Gabrielle Stone was part of it, and... Uh, you know, her mom's Hollywood horror royalty, Hollywood royalty, really. I mean, um, so that, it was kind of interesting for me to, to, to kind of be around her. And I was just kind of stoked to, to meet her. And um, I remember getting there. I was uh, getting there kind of just hanging out. And then I remember Keith going, uh, like, y'all were doing the kill scene out by the pool. Mm -hmm. And Keith just handed me the camera. He's like, hey, Belle, you want to direct it? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I was like okay yeah, you know sure why not and um yeah and then uh but it was cool to see to see you kind of look at a script that you literally had not seen yeah and construct because kill scenes are i mean they're pretty complicated there's a yeah. lot that goes into them so um yeah it was it was kind of a godsend for that moment just because i think we were all on edge because it was several days into the shooting at this point yeah and yeah. um so we were all a little frazzled and i was even though i thought i was really experienced i was way in inexperienced for that moment so um it was really cool to see you come in and and do that and i think the actresses were excited to kind of see someone take charge for a moment <laughs> yeah they actually um at the end of that night, they begged me to come back the next yeah. day. Um, yeah. Let me remind everybody, too, when she says several days, she means they only shot for a week. So, yeah, yeah. it wasn't that much. But That's right. It was crazy. <laughs> but, we, yeah, I, re I remember, like, I was, I kind of had kind of figured out what was going on by that point, And I saw, just being around you for an hour, two hours, whatever, I kind of, kind of figured, if nothing else, like, all these crazy movie experiences are like a crash course in, like, human psychology. I almost feel like I'm a detective in some way. <laughs> Like, you can read people pretty quickly, I think. And uh, because you, you see the worst and the best of everybody very quickly on a movie set. And I think that within the first hour or two of me being there, I kind of saw the dynamic that was going on. I could see that maybe you were a little bit inexperienced, but you, you, you had a handle on it, but also you weren't a fucking douchebag. I mean... <laughs> Like you, you, you maybe didn't know what you're doing, but at, or not everything that you were doing, but you knew that you didn't know that stuff. Right. You know, whereas a lot of people that we have worked with, Fuck. you know, like they'll kind of bumble their way through it and act and kind of like maybe even bulldoze over the good ideas that come up to solve a problem. 
Yeah. You know, like I mean, Brittany, let's put it this way: I'm sure you weren't like, "Hey, let's shoot a. We're going to shoot this part of the scene here, and when we get done with that, we're going to go over here to the other side of the room and shoot another totally different scene." But we haven't completed the scene that's on this side of the room. <laughs> oh I'm no! I'm sure you yeah. didn't do anything like that. No, so, I never saw anything. So yeah. I mean, there was clearly a di- there was clearly a difference. Like I remember, <clears throat> this sounds like really stupid and cheesy, but I remember thinking. She could be the next Chris. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever Judas you. <laughs> right. Assuming that Chris doesn't, you know, stab me in the back. But, you know, you could be the replacement Chris, I guess. So, yeah, I was, I was totally, I was, at that point, I was, the, 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 my guard had come down a little bit. Because I, I was a little bit wary about it, but I didn't have much to lose. So I was just kind of bringing out a light initially, and then everybody seemed cool. And I, I did come back, I think, the next day. I don't remember how. I that... think I think for a little bit. Yeah, because yeah, we're blacking yeah. out the windows, and I remember doing all that. Um, <sighs> but that I think that week there was some. Uh, I feel like that was when I was still at the Girl Scouts, and there was like an event going. Like I couldn't get away because I was willing to after that, but I just couldn't make it work. It yeah. didn't make sense. Well, it uh, was in August, which is also a month I don't yeah. recommend shooting. No, and that's like the month yeah, we always yeah, shoot. We always shoot yeah. 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 Although but after, after... we found out, we found out why we shoot in the summer. On this last uh, this last round of LA, uh, thirty two degree thirty two degree and below weather is just awful to shoot in, and everyone bitches. It's not just one person; it is everyone. Like it's just cold. Everybody hates it, and especially whenever they have to get covered in blood or something else, it's just not good. So I don't know. We kind of looked at each other like, "This is why we shoot in the summer." Yeah. Because they just bitch about it being hot, but there's nothing you can really do about that. At least you're not getting covered in cold, wet blood. Right, so. right. Um, yeah, I would, after, after going through that, I kind of, I would opt for the heat, I think, almost every time. Because I was miserable in that cold wetness. And that's the, we did that in Texas, too, on uh, hair metal. Yep. It was about, the weather was exactly the same, actually. Well, it was, it, I think... It was Honestly, colder here. It was yeah. colder here. Yeah, it was like freezing. I, I remember there were nights that literally we'd be in the cabin shooting, walk outside, and you'd start stepping and just yeah, because you're breaking the ice on the grass. Wow, it was so cold. Yeah. So okay, so after you guys did eight six nine, it was your crucible. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah, that's a good term. Uh, and then, so what? What happened with that film after you finished it? Well, um, we were we were trying to really figure out the best route to go and not just throw it at a bunch of film festivals, uh, you know, because we didn't want to just waste more money on stuff and not know where we were just trying to plan it out. Mm-hmm. So um, I, we tried to send it to some distributors first because, you know, we figured, well, they want the world premiere and so maybe they that would be enticing to them. Uh, we sent it out to several distributors, and, and we got, I don't want to say good or bad feedback. Um, we had a lot of contracts on it, just nothing that we really wanted to sign because uh, they wanted to keep it for, like, 10 years. And we just thought, well, you know, Gabrielle Stone might be like her mom and just explode, and why would we want to give it to them in 10 years for nothing up front? You know, so we'd keep it for that. But um, I did try to talk to... I think R squared films here mm-hmm. and, and he and um, buzz was really, really cool. Um, he actually called and followed up with me several times and he was kind of the only one to really talk with me about like what he was looking for in a film and mm-hmm. what kind of was lacking from eight, six, nine. Um, and so, uh, he, it was nice to get that insight from a distributor standpoint, whether I agreed with it or not. Um, so it, it honestly sat for a little while. Um, we sent it into a place called Distriber, and um, that process actually took a really long time to get everything that they wanted. But basically, it's an online distribution company that gets it into like Amazon and iTunes. And for someone like me who has no idea how to get into those outlets, it was perfect because it's like a one-time fee, and they take care of everything for you except for the format. And um, since I was editing it, that was kind of all falling under my jurisdiction. So uh, when we finally got it all done, though, they sent it into Amazon. And of course, that's like an automatic acceptance. But it was still cool to see it for sale. Mm-hmm. And then um, I it got accepted by iTunes, surprisingly, um, I guess <clears throat> back in May, May of 2015. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, 
we decided to then submit it to some uh, film festivals. So it's right now kind of just in waiting because by the time I submitted it, a lot of them were over or haven't had their call for entries yet. So uh, right now it's on Amazon and iTunes and in submission for some uh, film festival. So it kind of, we delayed it, I guess, by taking the route that we did. But mm -hmm. at the same time, we wanted to make sure like editing wise, there wasn't any more that we could do. But I think we finally got to a point where it was like, you know, we can only throw so much money at like reshooting things, re-editing things. We're just gonna, you know, call it here, uh, see where it goes. And then cut our losses after that, depending if there are any. I was gonna say, I remember during placeholders, I think you were talking about I remember us having a conversation outside when we wrapped and we were talking about how you had told me y'all were just still, you were still doing some pickups and I'm like, wow, y'all, damn, <laughs> like it just seemed like y'all had been going forever on that. So. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was trying to wrap it up and not be like every other production out there that's right. in production for 10 years and then in post-production for 10 years. Um, so that's kind of why we finally just put a wrap on it. I mean, I now all the knowledge that I have from working on other people's sets, I could probably go back and and really make that. I mean, I just can visualize it now, and I could probably make it so much better. But uh, just budget wise, it's like I'd rather put that energy into something new that I think has better writing. Right. So. Yeah, I yeah I feel I feel that way with everything I freaking do. Um, but yeah, we know all about shit taking a really long time to get finished. Don't we? Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, I posted something on Facebook today, so check it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't see it. Uh, well, it's just about basically it popped up, you know, six years now that Imago has been done. Since we started since, principal? You know, it's been six years since I finished first edit, because first edit I took a picture of and oh, yeah. posted on Facebook. Yeah, so, yeah. and it's of the entire edit, and people were like, God damn, really? That's your edit? I'm like, yeah, that's what a full feature-length movie looks like, guys. Hello. Yeah. Because, so, I mean, you know, when you look at the timeline, it's just huge. It's massive. It's got all this bunch of stuff on it. So, but yeah, uh, six years now. So, yeah, crazy. Hopefully so, not seven. Yeah, hopefully not. So. Yeah. Yeah, but that's got, we, we have reasons for that. Yeah. <laughs> and like I, like I posted on Facebook, there are good reasons that this has happened. Yeah, it's Trust a totally me. different movie now. Yeah. And the thing is, like, we actually... What's we had the benefit of screening it in front of people and getting that feedback. and seeing having that experience and like seeing what we could change or tweak or you know because I think that made all the difference and the funny thing is I don't know if you even know I may have mentioned this to you Brittany for those that don't know Brittany and her dad are actually producers on Imago as well uh, which is another good thing that came from me going on that set obviously yeah. um, but we got uh, like. Was it two two or three weeks into like redoing the VFX? We got offered that TV deal. Yeah, yeah. from our old sales rep. Like hadn't heard from the guy in probably a year and a half. It's crazy. And just out of nowhere, he sends me an email and he's like, "Hey, um, Epic's TV is interested in buying the movie. Are you interested?" And of, I even, of course I was like, "Well, if it's a you know, let's see what the deal is. I mean, we'll see." And then it, it was it was pretty bad. I was going to say, uh, you sent me an email and the exact words I sent back were, nope. Yeah, because <laughs> it was like a, it was a bulk deal where they're selling like, I think they sold 300 movies, you know, together yeah. in a package. And uh, the, I think the, they were going to pay us 750 bucks. Was that Not right? Not even that. It was like $500. $500 up front yeah. and that's all we would ever that's see. All we'd ever but see. then oh if you gosh. looked into the details of the deal, you would see how much money they make. Right. Make a ton of off, money. Off of, you know, so it's like every, you know. So, yeah, awesome. The movie would have been on cable, but. No. No. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's so, the only thing that I'm, I'm struggling with, I think, with 869 is it's, it's kind of like at this point we've had it for so long i'm almost ready to just cut my losses so it's like do i take a deal like that though just to be like whatever it's out there i can say that it's yeah. on something and that's what i think we if we hadn't already given the effects to jason to redo probably we probably would have really struggled it probably would have happened you know yeah, what i mean yeah. the vfx I mean, that was the biggest thing and also as far as like just just looking for more money, that was the other issue, too, because for the VFX, I mean, it was a pretty penny, to say the least, um, which, you know, we have a private investor that came in and did that for us, um, 
and luckily, you know, we got all that done, and I mean, well, it's not done yet, but what we're seeing so far, at least, is fantastic, you know, and it totally changes the movie, it changes the whole vibe. I mean, really, we're gonna have to, we have to go back to Greg and do a whole new sound, uh, sound edit on it, because it's just gonna be a different movie, because the effects are just totally Yeah, different. and really all we're doing is, because we really haven't changed the edit, I don't think we, at all. No. We're just laying Although I did think about it. <coughs> yeah, but then it would have taken longer to do that, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, all he did is change the change what's in the images, and it just takes it up a whole other level, which is crazy. <coughs> so you mentioned Brittany, uh, sort of thinking about what your next what your next thing is going to be. Um, I mean, do you have any idea what that might be, or what you're kind of? Well, it's funny you say that. Um, I I mean, I definitely have some scripts that I have been writing over the years um, that I would really like to do, obviously, but I can see the high-end budget for some of them, just logistically. Um, I've kind of created a monster with my dad because uh, he just loves this stuff. And so he's he's really got into writing the last couple years, too. And um, we're kind of in a race right now to see like who can finish one of our scripts first. And, um, but I've been reading his and I mean, he's kind of got a twisted mind, so they're, they're pretty cool. Like they're, they're pretty good. He's got some good ideas, um, and, and a really good concept to some of the stuff he's writing. So I can see his stuff being closer, uh, time-wise in shooting just because, I mean, they are horror films and those are usually easier. Mine are actually more like period pieces, action films, to do right are a little more expensive just because of, I mean, wardrobe even. Mm -hmm. So um, they're, but they kind of have a twist to them, like a sort of Tarantino, I guess, twist if I had to put a design to it. Um, So we have a lot of stuff that's just not quite finalized, but um, I keep thinking, well, maybe I need to start pre-production on one of them though, because that seems to me to be always where a lot of these films could be so much better in the production side is that they just spend, if any time, you know, very short amount of time on pre-production. And I, I just feel like so many things could be better if they were just planned. So oh, yeah. 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 yeah, we could talk. Oh God. We could talk all. Of, we will talk all about that yeah. probably. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll get into that here. But yeah, it's it's, it's so. It's funny to me how people can make simple things so difficult, you know, like when they have, Chris and I have, I mean, you know, had the pleasure of being on several sets these last couple of years, and we're grateful for the opportunity and the jobs, but like, in a lot of, in a lot of uh, instances, I feel like they squander the opportunity that they're given, you know what I mean? Like they have all this time, all this money, all this money, at least is the way, as far as we're looking at it, you know? Pretty sizable budgets, pretty sizable amount of time, a great crew backing them up that really knows what they're doing, and minimal locations, sometimes just one. Yeah. And still, no no planning, none whatsoever. Yeah. Shooting off their hips, not yeah. planning it. Like. Which results, I mean, like, I'm, I'm watch, you know, you watch the movie change in front of your eyes mm-hmm. and go from something that was pretty awesome on paper to maybe something that's pretty heavily compromised and we'll see if it works in the end. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not talking about a specific thing really. This has happened on three things that I can think of. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, there are, there are times that I literally on several sets that we've been on just within the past, you know, two years, two, three years, you know, we, I've read a script and I was like, holy crap, that's freaking awesome. They're going to do that. Like, and then, you know, no planning. And so you lose that whole thing. And sometimes it's it's planning on not just the director and the producers and everything else. Sometimes it's planning with the effects artists and the director and all that. And like, so they end up losing some of the best effects that you see in the script. You lose them all because they don't have time. Because they're like, well, why didn't I have why didn't I have a day to shoot all this? Well, because you didn't plan it out that way. Like, what do you want us to do? I mean, we can't add another day. There's no money, so it just kind of screwed everything up you know but i mean so far from what i've seen and i'm not promoting this by any means so far from what i've seen it looks like 
some of those actually are working. Now, I do not promote that at all. I mean, you should plan everything out and have everything, you know, all your, D, your, your dots crossed and whatever, that saying. Anyway, <laughs> you need to have... Like, like, you probably should have planned that sentence Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Talking. You know, I just, I think that that's, that's the case. And yeah. I, you well, know, you know, it's, yeah, I think about, because the stuff you had, I had, and that you had was not, I, I don't think it was that difficult in my eyes. But you look at those other scripts, and it's and while it's cool stuff, it's like it's all relatively easy shit that I, you know, from me reading it, I'm like, okay, well, you obviously do this, this, and this, and this is a plate, and bam, you got it right. But I feel like just because we took the extra time, in in all of our cases, like we were able to realize things on, you know, in our movies that maybe you know, wouldn't have made it in one of those other ones because they had to cut shit or, you know, work around it. Even though we still ended up compromising, you know, like crazy. I mean, yeah. Imago is a perfect example like that. Yeah. I don't know much about how much you gave up on 869, but from what I saw and the script I read, it seemed fairly close. Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting. We actually had to go back and shoot to add to it yeah. because a lot of the kill scenes, I think, after cutting it happened faster yeah. than we expected them to. Um, so most, most of what we shot made it into the final cut and then we actually had to add a little bit as we went. So, um, I guess we were fortunate in, in that way. Although I, I don't really want to say that because then it just took more time to go film right. more stuff. So right, right. that's, uh, yeah, it was interesting on the editing bay of that one. Right. So I just, you know, like I sit, I sit here and think about like I've, I have this thing where I don't, like the very last thing I, I immediately sort of fall out of love with the very last thing I did. Like, I just don't want to, um, like I, I actually heard a, comedians talking about this, how like they'll do like an hour long special and it already when they're in the editing bay, they're like, oh fuck, I'm so tired of hearing my voice. All this material sucks. Like immediately, you know, just because they don't want to hear it. It's already old to them or like the experience of doing it and, and all the work that it took to put into that has just like, erased all joy from it and I feel like I, I feel like that with everything I make so I, I kind of like right now it's pretty much psychic psychic experiment like for whatever reason placeholders kind of like sidestep that I guess because it has so much other thing so much other stuff driving it but um but I started thinking about like as much as I am for a lot of reasons unhappy with what happened well what happened with the movie and how it turned out um we made a lot of shit happen for like 150 grand, yeah, you know, in like 27 days of shooting. Like, we blew up people. We fucking set people on fire. We like. I mean, dicks were hanging out. Yeah, dicks were hanging. Of course, yeah, saying, killer, like, killer dolls, yeah. melting faces. <laughs> but it's all stuff that like. Like one of those setups, we could have never shot on a couple of these movies that were not. Playing. You know what I mean? Because it's. Just, but the thing is, it didn't even. It did, on the day, it didn't really seem to me like it took that much time. It just, and we, some days we shot three or four of those things at once, you know, it was just because it was planned out. And not only on the day did it not take much time, but like sometimes, you know, things didn't really work out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're kind of fighting with yeah. logistics, we'll say. Yeah, yeah. You know, things not really turning out right or shit not working or people just not doing what you want them to do, but, or they said that they could do. But still, like, I can't think of something besides maybe Todd's death. I can't think of something that is not there that I wrote, you know, yeah. like it's all there, you know, and I don't feel like if anything's wrong with it, I feel like it's my fault and not in most cases and not time or someone else dropping the ball or just right. not pe right. people not knowing what was the I mean, the only, again, like the only time I really came up against that was the whole flashback thing. Yeah. Because I had planned it out and knew exactly how it was going to cut together, but nobody was getting it no. because they had never watched Nightmare on Elm Street, I guess. Or... That or they just did never. I, I'm, I honestly, I think back to that day several times and I wonder if they actually read the script or they read that scene. <laughs> yeah. Because it you... felt like it felt like at least with the actors, it felt like I'm just remem memorizing my lines. I'm not paying attention to what he's like. The actions. That's not. Yeah. Yeah. You get that a lot of that too. Me, you know. So because I remember that. It, it was just like everybody's like, Mel, I don't understand this, and Mel's just like, just trust me, guys, it's fine. 
and then it would we'd go another take. I don't think I said it in that voice. <laughs> no, no, no. Sure I, I I, hold on. Let me. That's probably the, maybe the first let time. Me, I, so. You didn't let me build. Okay. Okay. Give I'm, me a I'm second. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm Whoa. sorry. You planned this one yeah, out. Yeah, I planned this one out. <laughs> okay. Um. So anyway, no. I mean, literally, it was just like. It, we went several takes, and it, every time they'd ask him, "What are we gonna do?" And he's just like, "It's fine, chill out, just trust me." Then finally, the last take, they did—well, not the last take, but the second to last take—they did the same thing. And he said, "Guys, just fucking trust me. Stop. Quit asking me questions. Like, we're gonna do this. It's gonna work." And sure enough, I mean, it works great in the movie. And not to tug on your chain a little, but it does. But that, that's my favorite good. part of the film. Yeah, actually, it looks great because it does. It's the best example of my version of the shit that I love. You know, yeah. like it's the way it kind of works together and Debbie's performance and just everything just kind of comes together right and it's, there. It's a great way to transition into a new scene without really having, you know, it's just really crazy the way it works. Yeah, and that's and then the thing is, like that, I don't think that, that stuff really slowed us down that much, but it, I feel like on these other sets we're talking about, that kind of shit happens for good reason every day, if not every setup, because there's no communication. Like there's no... No one really knows what's going on. Yeah. And there are some days we didn't even know where we were shooting. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, what are, what are we doing again? Are we really? What? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, pre, pre-production pre is, is, is so key. I mean, that can't be stressed enough. Well, and even kind of a story like what Chris just told, but sort of an opposite scene not working, I guess, with 869 that should have been in pre-production. Uh, you know, something as simple as like a read through mm -hmm. with the actors, like you were talking, they don't even know if they read the script. Right. I mean, there was a day where we shot a scene in a limo with all the girls. And oddly enough, it's the opening scene of the uh -huh. movie. Yeah. And there's, I guess there's like nine of them, nine girls in this limo um, having this conversation that's taking place. And I think the day that everyone showed up was probably the first day that they had even met each other, much less read the script, you know, in sequence. And so we only had the limo rented for like two hours and the, it came and I was like, you know what, like, let's just do it. You know, we're girls, they're actors. I assumed people could improv if you're actors. Let's just get in there. And, and I mean, the whole scene is for you to be catty to each other. Like, I think we can do this. <laughs> yeah, and um, I mean, it was, I guess I, that's probably one thing that we cut in the end, because it was supposed to be like a 15 minute long scene. And it was kind of like you mentioned with the with the comedians. I mean, watching it, I was like, I, I would turn this movie off immediately. Mm, yeah. So um, I... I brought it down to, I think, like three and a half minutes, which still to me is probably a little too long, but just to get the story across that needed to get across, um, we put it in there. But, I mean, that should have been so simple to do, just get everybody in a room beforehand and have this read-through because there's so many people interacting with each other. Yeah. So, obviously, at this point with, like, a new script, you can't do that in pre-production, but, I mean, it's just those simple things that can be fixed. Mm -hmm. Right, so. right. Well, and I'll speak to one for Imago, just to, you know, one that happened. And now, actually, it was several instances, and it all goes to pre-production. And it's like, you know, your actors want to try new things. They want to they wanna play with stuff. They don't want to... You don't want to limit them, you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to tell them, hey, no, we got to get this done. Like, you want to let them experience and play with the character and see what they can do, because you never know that might be the take that you really want. And I, I got that a lot with Natalie and with Omar, believe it or not. Um, and the story that, oh, it's Omar, and it's about him, and literally, like, Omar, one time, we were filming this bit, and he really wanted it. For some reason, he wanted to kick this box. Don't know why, but he wanted to kick a box. So <laughs> I said, all right, Omar, kick the box. Let's see what happens. It's in the film. I mean, it, it really, it worked. I don't know why. I don't know what it does, but it works, and it's in the film yeah. because... He just, for some reason, wanted to kick the box. It was something to add to his character, add to him stumbling, trying to get to the TV at that point. It really worked. So, yeah. like I said, you know, in pre-production, whenever you have that time and you can plan everything out, you, the director of photography, everybody else already know what's going on, and it gives you, the director, a little more time with your actors 
to be able to do things like that and say, or when they ask, can I kiss this actress? And it's like, no, that's not, this is not the scene. Omar also did that too. Love you, brother, by the way, if you're listening. I was just saying, he let you sleep in his house. I mean, like, really? Are you gonna, oh, like, I'm not ragging on, on him. You're to put him on blast no, like no, that? I'm not blasting him. He knows, he knows better. Red Nation, that's all I got to say. Um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like the only time I've really had the, and I think it shows, the only time I've really had that opportunity at all was placeholders because we did that. Did you come to the table, Reed? Yeah. And we all I, sat in the I'm in it. I, didn't re- I don't remember if you were there, though. I remember having to read for a bunch of people. No, not I, D to the J. I not, had, not D I to had to Jack be there for D. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we got pretty much all, all the cast, but I think I, I think Tim wasn't there, obviously, because he's in California. But um, that was a good way to sort of break the ice and, and get everybody on the same page. And then everybody kind of started figuring one another out. Because while I had worked with most of them, a lot of them didn't really know each other. And then like people like Jordan or uh, Holland were totally new to that. You know, like they had done improv or theater. Like I knew Holland through Melanie. But they hadn't really, you know, worked in that context. So you could, you could, you could I just, I actually have the tape because I recorded the whole thing. I was watching it again and you could just see the, the relationships forging, you know, stuff that sort of Tommy and, and uh, and Bobby Hayworth like kind of becoming the two Stooges because they didn't know each other before that you know they're both in psychic experiment but they never meet you know uh, Bobby gets his skin ripped off well before Tommy shows up so yeah. 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 <laughs> he, he flies down a hole yeah um, so um, that was a good way to sort of like start burning that in and then just on top of that I think everybody was. I feel like I lucked out with the cast too. Like it was just a different. It's. I honestly didn't cast everybody because I. I mean, the people I didn't cast, the people I casted, I didn't necessarily cast because of their comedic abilities. In the beginning, I kind of was just like I. Li- half of them were like that because I saw what they could do, but the other half were just like I like these people a lot. Let's give them a chance and see what they can do, because it was in the initially it was an experiment for all of us. To see if we could do comedy at all. So there wasn't, if it sucked or things were flat or the timing was off, who cares? You know, it was just, it was initially just a YouTube thing. So, but they, I, you know, for whatever reason, it's just like the, the camaraderie and the vibe just sort of gelled immediately. And I was discovering like these these un, un, unknown comedic geniuses like Tommy and Tommy is a good example because Bobby I knew was a funny guy but Tommy Tommy Bo like everything I'd done with him previously was pretty straight laced and serious like he the, I met him initially he came and read for witchcraft for the Peyton role that's hilarious yeah and he had long hair and wow. he was like the you know the it was the yeah. scene the scene they read were. Uh, was where he has to walk in the bar drunk and he meets the bad witch that's eventually going to rip out his heart. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Witchcraft 13, don't waste your money. <laughs> it's Will Spanner's sister at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's, you know, and so that scene was fairly straightforward and serious and then like in Psychic Experiment, he plays an FBI agent. So it's pretty, you know, straight-laced. With a very long, dramatic monologue, might I add. Right, right. He was, <laughs> I remember him sweating bullets that day because yeah, he, he was so worried about yeah, it. But was. it was fine. Um, but, like, once, you know, it's just everybody, for whatever reason, everything's sort of locked into place. and It turned into this thing that obviously worked because, you know, it's getting out there. But that's the only time I feel like it was a combination of having that time in the beginning with the cast plus just having a cast that was either had improvisational background or could easily roll with the punches and was just game for anything. Like, Debbie is, you know, she's down for whatever. Like, any choice, she's willing to make it or take it, you know, and go wherever the scene's going to go. And uh, so that kind of, um, you know, that really helps that stuff work, I think. Um, And I I wish more experience, I hope more experiences can be like that in the future, but we'll see. That's funny you say that, though, because literally I thought you casted Tommy and Bobby together because you kind of wanted to be like Bert and Ernie. That's seriously what I thought. No, no. But that's how it turned out. I mean, literally. I, like, so here's are. what I did. So this is how uncreative the process was and how shitty and spiteful a person I am. Oh, my God. 
like like everybody hasn't figured this out at this point. So placeholders, I knew you know it was a project where I was gonna you know fucking light everybody up. So I sat down and made a list of actors, and I was like, who's fucked me over? Who hasn't? Who do I like? Is two columns, and like there were check marks, and there there are people that were sort of on the edge. There's three strikes, you're out. I have to admit, I've seen this list. It does happen. Oh yeah, and there's not just one. I now I have Excel spreadsheets. I've seen that too, and I'm not joking. Like no, he's not. Like if I ever do, you know, get accused of a crime or whatever, and they go look on my hard drive, yeah, I'm, I'm totally going in the hole like forever. Um, wow. But. You know, I've made a lot of enemies for good reasons. Maybe I'm being petty about what you know the, the reaction to it, but everything, everything I'm reacting to is legitimate. You know what I mean? We lost a lot of money on a lot of this stuff, stuff that we're and we're still suffering for it. So fuck those people. So anyway, I started making a list of people that I could you know either trust or not trust. Or like people you said, did you bring your angry pants today, Bert? Yeah, exactly. I hope you bring your angry <laughs> pants. And so. I little did I know that placeholders was going to be another another level of filtration for more people to piss me off, and then like leave you know Hi diamonds. In the... <laughs> <laughs> so um, basically, I I kind of was just like who and, and and you know maybe I'm overstating that stuff just to be funny, but the other side of that was who do I like a lot that I really don't think has had a chance to do a lot? Like Tommy, you know, just a little scene here, a little scene there. Um, uh, Brandon, you know, because he came in and did that scene for Walking Distance, and I knew he and Melanie had been friends for a long time, and from there, Holland. Um, and just uh, Bobby Simpson, because he hooked us up. You know, he was, he initiated, Bobby Simpson actually was, speaking of Omar, we brought him in the first time we ever met him was he came in the double Omar for a psychic experiment. And it's funny how their looks kind of changed the same. Uh-huh. I like know. when we did psychic experiment, they were both like pretty ripped and bald and had the goatee. Yeah. Then they both kind of slimmed down a little bit and grew the afro out. Yeah, kind of became like characters. <laughs> yeah. Then. Yeah, so uh, so that's that's why the stuff in the later episodes of Placeholders is so funny, like the Chewbacca Jar Jar jokes. Yeah. Because that really did happen in real life. But... You know, he was so game for doing whatever. Just coming in and being literally just a shoulder and a neck that was the right skin tone, you know, for the scene that we had to shoot for Psychic Experiment. I was like, fuck yeah, dude, I'm going to hook him up. And then he came in and killed his Pastor James. Like, that's a character that I wrote totally differently. I mean, he was always a black pastor, but he was... I The guy he's based on is like a little bit older, like kind of an older... Um, like Steve Harvey-ish, you Not know. so over the top. Yeah, or George Jefferson, maybe, like that zone, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, Leaning to a Fred Sanford on the, that, on the spectrum. Or you know? that deep, that deep pasta. Yeah, right, that right. But, but, but scummy, definitely like Steve yeah. Harvey suit, Corvette driving, you know. <laughs> and I, nev I never envisioned him as like a younger version of that. But then once Bobby came in and kind of started essaying his take on it, it took the character, like, there was a whole different arc for his character that in the first season that we kind of went off, uh, we kind of went off of because I just liked the way Bobby was doing it. So thank you, Bobby Simpson. Um, and also, like, that kind of is what led into him having that crazy aggro side. Yeah. The Black Power stuff, because he really, you know, I, I'm thinking about psychic experiment times, like that stuff that I saw. Yeah. Where he was like, you know, Training day hard, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that stuff. So, um, yeah, so you, you, you do get surprises like that. Um, but now we kind of have to halfway start all over. We'll see what happens, I guess, for season two. Well, and we also have a couple other comedy things on the on the works that should bring some some great gold, I think. Oh yeah, speak. Well, I don't know if I want to really talk about this yet, but speaking of Tommy, yes. Yeah, we have something ready for yeah. with Tommy that's going to be pretty awesome. I yeah, think. and we have a location thanks to Brittany. Yeah, very much so. Thanks to Brittany. She's like, what? Huh? Thanks what to me. Yeah. Yeah, we Brittany. talked about this no. thing. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah, yeah. I got you. So yeah, uh, so yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be one of the things that populates our channel. Yep. We're trying to work on more. Come on, Brittany. Yeah, the pressure's on you. All right. I mean, I know I probably should get one out, too. Challenge accepted. Yeah, I'm still... I've written a lot of placeholder season two, but... 
it's like a stop and start thing. Like I have to sort of like re get mad about stuff. But the stuff I'm mad about now is like different. It's not placeholder stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. different. It doesn't work. It's in like a that. whole other realm. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like you know, there are movies where, you know, it's like I'm mad about A, B, and C, and there are movies that go with that that sort of stuff. Like I can't shoehorn a C anger into an A movie. Although I do have to say, I think I am still going to try and go with Megan Bobby an action hero. We've got to make that happen. Which one? Hayworth. Okay. Remember when we were talking about making the TV show where he was kind of the badass uh-huh. and like like this international spy kind of type? I don't remember this, but yes, it sounds like we, a genius idea. Yeah, <laughs> great idea about it. And I'm like, I really need to make this happen. So I never know. It may come to, come to fortune. Who knows? So, Bobby, if, if you genuinely listen to this podcast, I mean, we're 47 <laughs> minutes in, so it's a deep cut. Yeah. Contact Chris about this and let him know if you're game. You can't tell him anything about this, though. Like, no, this is how we know. No, I want to know if he's listening to this podcast. And this is where the anger part comes in. If you yeah. don't hear from him, <laughs> fuck him. That Expect project's a placeholder's gone. Episode. Or, you know, it'll be the other Bobby. Yeah, it'll be Bobby Simpson. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we already had a project for him, though. We had an idea. It was like a buddy cop thing, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, there was a buddy cop idea. Oh, shit, what was but it? I think we had Bobby in that one, too. So I don't know. As I the same think, character? It was, it was like Bobby. crossover? Yeah, I think it was Bobby Bobby. Like, it was going to be the Bobbies. <laughs> Bobby and Bobby? Yeah. Like Simon and Simon? Yeah, kind of. It was, I don't know. It was a thought that we had out of that, but I don't I don't know if it ever, we actually worked it out. I think it was just more like, that could work. Yeah. That's how most of this shit starts, yeah, pretty if much. They, if they both are listening and they contact us, it may just happen. Yeah. If not, oh well, that ship has sailed. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be Tommy and Tommy. Yeah. And we just need to find another, another Tommy. Tommy. Or have Jordan Mantell change his name to Tommy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it could be Jordan and Jordan. Yeah, it could be Jordan and Jordan. Actually, that, that's now, okay, so now we get to the Hunger Games part of this. Like, whichever one of these groups of people. <laughs> may the odds be forever in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um see how everything just sort of flows organically yeah, Brittany? yeah it's nice <laughs> um so um it's kind of looping back Brittany, you actually not only directed an episode of placeholders but you wrote an episode as well mm-hmm. yeah that's um which is currently airing and i actually was director of photography on that yeah Kristen. it wasn't awesome about job. you chris but i understand that i just want to but say see it. i also edited it so i have way more credits on that one than she chris does, does. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. just kidding so do you would you like Brittany? would you like to speak to your experience uh, um yeah i mean i'm i i gotta be honest you know i gotta give a lot of credit to my father like i said i kind of created a monster but um he's sort of always been you know my mentor throughout life and and it's probably one of the funniest people I know. So I had never touched comedy. You know, I knew that comedy, to do it, it was good writing, good acting, good editing. Like, everything has to have that timing to it. And so I, I just was always scared to even even try. And so we sat down just kind of at the table and just sort of started talking and and he had been you know watching some of the episodes so we had grasped a good concept of each of the characters which i loved all of them i mean they were all so they had their own personalities and so that really made it a lot easier already having them there yeah and kind of knowing probably what they would do in a situation Mm -hmm. um and so we just kind of bounced ideas back and forth and um you know my mom would comment like you know they're in there they're just laughing for like hours i don't even know what they're doing i can just hear them laughing you know and so i just (laughs) sit down at a laptop and basically we would just talk and go over funny scenarios and just try to you know cut it into like that that 27 minute or whatever um script and and so i thought okay well hopefully this is funny we'll send it out and I guess as long as it's not, uh, you know, well, you, you still talk to me after that. So I assumed it was somewhat funny. See, Brittany knows uh, what's up. Yeah, yeah. She, she knows the deal. And yeah. so uh, as I thought, you know, okay, this is, this is good. So the writing comedy is done. Now we'll go into the production of it. And I'm not going to lie. I was like extremely nervous. I think I remember you talking to me about that. I was like, just relax. It's all good. Yeah, because, we well, it was just... You know, I didn't I didn't know personally a lot of the actors going into it. And so I just thought, you know, oh my gosh, like they're so used to Chris and Mel. And now all of a sudden this like random person comes in here and, and I'm Well, gonna... but you had been around. Yeah. I had been around. Like... Yeah. I mean, you know, but 
I don't know. I just, it was just still kind of that like moment for me that was, this was really kind of an of, official directing. I don't want to say, cause it, it was something that I wrote, but it was still not like mine. So mm, I still right. had that kind of, I don't want to say pressure because mm. I, I never felt pressure from you, but just that pressure you put on yourself cause it's mm. someone else's work and I you want to, say, it to lucky be good. You. you didn't feel the pressure. <laughs> well, I still felt pressure, but it was, <laughs> I was just saying the pressure was there, but you it know, was like there. I, I think, you know, in, and, but fortunately Chris was there to help, you know, shoot and kind of take away some of those nerves because you were really good at making sure that we had everything shot that we needed to get shoot and, um, Go ahead. It, it was um, so when we finished shooting, it was kind of like another sigh of relief thinking, OK, well, uh, you know, everybody showed up. So I guess they thought it was funny or at least were desperate to be in something. So <laughs> we uh, it's about 50 50. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the editing part, I wasn't as nervous about just because that I'm really comfortable in, in editing and I could see it in my head and. There were a few scenes that didn't come out as I saw them on the script, but you know, if that yeah, happens, yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, I'm, you know, gold star. But um, I still thought it it came out pretty good. You know, I was I was ready for feedback, and I really didn't get a whole lot. I mean, y'all think y'all had a couple notes, which was really helpful. Um, but uh, was that when I was kind of like you talked to Brittany? Because yeah. Yeah. So then here's why it had nothing to do with you, but like that's kind of when my life started falling apart, like the pizza stuff and yeah. everything that was in that blog. It was right around that time, I think. Yeah, but yeah because because we were at the channel over there off by uh, off West Time. Right? Yeah, well, yeah. See, this is what this is when this is when it even got more screwy because you had written to be in that place, and then we ended up being over in the other um, the other building. We'd, we were in uh, Yusef, not White. Right. Other Yusef. Right. We in yeah. his, his building, which I think you had originally written that to be in the other building where we were shooting. The international. The, other stuff, the yeah, international. Yeah, right, right. right, yeah. So it changed yeah, the game that, up completely. Right. That was right. It was because I was still at the restaurant then. I remember now. Because yeah. I just, and it had nothing to do with you. It, it was just I couldn't process it. Like I would come home and not have time to think about anything. Everything just made me mad. Yeah. Well, Everything kind of just always makes me mad, but everything made me matter. Um, so I, I kind of told, I was like, hey, Chris, you know, I trust you for once. Can you just take, I've got to say, I can't, can't let you get too confident. Because um, then Bronco's buck. Oh, there oh, oh, <laughs> we go. Now. Um, but no, but seriously, I was, you know, I trusted him to sort of oversee it. And I just could, I didn't have the mental capacity to, um, take on take, yeah or just yeah. you know, like handle bringing that sort of into the station and i trusted you to not really be that far off the mark anyway that's that's kind of why i i saw that coming it's kind of why i asked you in the first place because yeah. when i asked you i was already deep in all that shit so well and i mean in all reality like you weren't that far like you weren't even off really i mean if yeah, I, I don't really right, remember much changing from the first we, to the last yeah because yeah. we watched it and it was more of just like we just need to tweak a little bit but it yeah. wasn't anything crazy just like, to make jokes just, land probably yeah, yeah. exactly a little bit of timing. Yeah. that's all it was yeah i do remember probably the my favorite joke in that entire thing revolves around william and it's him disappearing is it Tommy or is it Jordan? The glitter. The glitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it Tommy or Jordan that says? I think that? it's Jordan. Because I mean, lands it like <laughs> you're just like, uh, like I just remember because I, I, if you go back and watch the take, he says it and I'm like, <laughs> trying to just get, my hands are shaking yeah, like I'm holding it's the camera. Pretty damn funny. But, like, I forgot I about it when I was, was watching it the last time. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I did stop. But yeah, I I remember. So here's here's a dark ego admission. Here, I remember that uh, once I sent the script out and was like, "Hey guys, here's what's going on. Here are the scripts. Um, here's what we're shooting." And I don't, I don't think they knew um, who wrote. I, I don't know if I was clear or there was attribution. I don't know if there's a title page mm -hmm. or anything. I don't know. But on yours. I remember sending it out and two or three people were like, wow, this is the best one yet. This is the best thing you've ever written. And I was like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> You're not going to make it to placeholders too. Yeah, I'm like, okay, all right, I'll remember that. But, uh, you know, it's just, that's what I like about it. It's It fits with everything else, but it's a slightly different style of comedy. 
which is more in line with some, you know, some people's, you know, and, and I can't really write like that. It's just not, I'm probably too dead inside <laughs> to write like Mel Brooksy type well, stuff. Well, see, that's what, yeah. it, that was the exact um, kind of genre. Yeah. That's, that's the comedy that yeah. I watch. And I could recognize, and I enjoy the hell out of no, it. He's it probably great. my, one of my favorite comedic filmmakers, but I can't, it's, I've tried, you know, I actually tried and, you know, it'd be funny to write a whole bit like that, but it just doesn't, Usually it turns into some dark fucking meditation on why shit sucks. And <laughs> or it comes out like Edward Scissorhands, but not Edward Scissorhands. Right. We all, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my version of the eunuch joke. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Um, so but no, yeah. I mean, in all reality, like, I think you nailed that episode. I don't, I don't, I, I really didn't know why you were nervous. Like, whenever you walked up and you're like, hey, I'm a little nervous. I'm like, chill out. It's fine. It's no just comedy, it. man. Yeah, it's well. Just... Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I that's just it. It's just what I said. Like, it, there just has to be so many things in place. And it, I think it was just, there to me, there was already, like, a high standard set. You know, they expected someone like Mel to come in who kind of already had this experience and knowledge right. and a path to go down, and I just didn't want to derail from it. So it was like not only was there the pressure of comedy, but then a pressure of keeping everything in line as far as like a smooth shoot. You yeah. know, most of the ones that I had been on with you, especially with placeholders, I mean, everybody was having fun. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, which says a lot because it's really just the three of us or, you know, mm -hmm. some version of us, you know, yeah. maybe Domingo was there. Yeah. maybe Dwayne, but it really wasn't that many people and all of us are doing 20 things. But yeah, that's still my favorite shoot out of all the shoots I've been on mm -hmm. is place. And we busted our ass, yeah, you know, but it's, it was the thing I think came together the best. Well, um, and I get, I, I can speak to that. I see what you mean by the comedy bit of it. Cause whenever I directed Rubicon, that was, the comedy was there and I knew it was going to be because of the actors, but as far as me directing it and the timing and the way I wanted to shoot it, because which actually a lot of that kind of got canned because of sound issues and other things we had, but um, the way I wanted to shoot it, like it was going to be kind of a timing nightmare essentially because I had basically a slider behind all the actors and you're just I wanted to kind of just come across shoulders the whole time and that was kind of your transitions didn't work out that way unfortunately i mean some of it yeah i kept a lot i kept some of it but the whole the whole thing it just wouldn't work that way so i had to get rid of it but i get what you totally get what you mean by the comedy part of that because comedy is kind of its own beast like i will say that like horror all day long no problem comedy oof. i mean it's just kind of it takes a little bit out of you because you're just trying to make sure that the beats are there and if you don't have we got lucky, as Mel said several times, we got really lucky with the cast because they knew what they were doing and they knew how to do it. Um, and they could hit, the comedic timing was just there from everybody. Um, so it kind of lucked out there, but like I couldn't imagine trying to do that with actors who had no idea of comedic timing because that would have been a nightmare. Yeah. Like trying to, trying to shoot as much as we did and how fast we did it without people that knew comedic timing. No way. Yeah. We would have fucking gone crazy. Yeah, and I think that's, and, you know, it's the reason why I like a lot of the later episodes. It's because, like, I kind of saw, like, everybody did great from the get-go, but I could kind of see what their particular strengths were and start writing to that yeah. stuff. Like, you know, it'd be funny, I think, is my favorite example of that, because it's all them pretty much doing what they do. And it's all happens, it all happens in one room, you know, but it's all them doing what they do best. Right. And each, everybody kind of has their moment. And just like lands it and leaves, lands it and leaves, lands it and leaves, you know. Um, I particularly remember that day because you and I talked a lot over while that was shooting because we couldn't be in there. There was just right. no fucking room. Yeah. yeah. Like it was such a tiny little office. And I just remember looking back and I could see like Mel's like crammed up in this little <laughs> corner trying to look in the camera and he barely can do it because everybody's crammed in. I mean, the room probably wasn't what, like, not, like walk-in closet size. Yeah, yeah like maybe, maybe a, a little bit bigger. Maybe yeah. a two, a four by eight, maybe. Yeah. Room. I mean, it was just ridiculous yeah. how small it was. But it was. But it's bigger than an editing suite at Access. Yeah, but that's. that's <coughs> so at least funny, that so. part is you know, uh, expanding on the truth. Yeah. Um. So. It looks like we're kind of we're getting well we're already over an hour but it's fine. So, yeah, so um, with that said, I guess we will wrap it up until next week. 
Next week, we'll probably get rid of the last um, in-car show. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see how we feel. Yeah. See if anything happens between now and then to, like, stoke our rage. Yeah. yeah. Ruffle our feathers. Yeah. Um, and then we'll hopefully start working in some guests. I've had some ideas for local people. And I might go try to get Lisa this weekend. Okay. So, because she's in San Antonio. Got it. Nice. So, and hey, maybe Robert will jump on. Hey. That would be great. How about it? <laughs> Remember that movie that would have been awesome that we could have made but still haven't? I think that's kind of like... Hey, by the way, I think we need to post a picture of what he signed on your book. Because that goes in hand in hand with the movie that could have been awesome that still hasn't been done. Yeah, the only problem with that is... It's it's tainted a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not. It's it's a long story. I'm not sure we'll get into. There's okay. a whole place over this episode about it. I'm, oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So anyway, um, we'll shut up now. As always, we are available on on the interwebs. I'm at Upstart Film on uh, Twitter, Instagram. The website's UpstartFilmWorks.net. Uh, feel free to subscribe subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, or you can download it on SoundCloud. Chris. I'm at CWAR5454 at Instagram, and you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I don't have any... I'll, I have Twitter. It's CWAR5454, the same, but... On Facebook, relationship status? Uh, married, actually. I'm no longer... Oh, yeah. Brittany. I am off the grid. No, Enti- I'm on Facebook. No, <laughs> I'm not. I was like, you've been hanging out with Bart too much. <laughs> no, what I have... happened? <laughs> no, I have a Facebook... I mean, I'm on Facebook, but I'm... Um, on Twitter, actually, I guess I have my movie monster um, that is on Twitter and Facebook. That's um, kind of a mix between Hollywood and independent film information, reviews, uh, things like that. So, movie monster. Facebook. Yeah, I was, was going to say also uh, quit hanging out with Bart if you go off the grid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to let everybody know how they can find your film? Um, on I, yes, eight six nine. It's just the numbers eight six nine on iTunes and Amazon. Um, you can just search it on both of those. You can rent or purchase for in HD or SD, but I highly recommend HD. There you go. I'm also going to say this. You also need to go to the placeholders Facebook page, the Imago Facebook page. Go to all those pages, like them, stay up to date with everything that's going on with us. Because trust me, that's where everything, all the new news is going to be coming up. At. Yeah, and if you want to see Brittany's episode of placeholders it is called the passion of the jeff and you can find that one on film on and on hoopla it'll go up on amazon soon i don't know why they're putting them up in the weird order they're doing but whatever man <laughs> yeah, I've had they're putting people, them up so i don't care i've had five people come to me and they're like what the hell is up with this i don't order? understand jason mason's <laughs> yeah. arc where is this coming from and i'm like, I'm like okay just, look i appreciate like, you guys searching work. it out i don't know why they're going out like that i'm i was told that they had they had issues, but not on our end. It's like they were sort of changing their back-end servers. So we had to up... That's why it took so long to go up on Amazon. We had to upload maybe three or four times. Buzz did it for us the last time, finally. Um, so I don't know why they're going up out of order, but they'll eventually all be up there, and we will eventually also probably have some sort of disc release on there, which will include Fade to Black. Nice. So, yeah. which I mean it kills me to do that because I hate to put my first movie out there but it's funny and it ties into the episode so <laughs> cool and you said movie monsters just on Facebook you don't have like a website. it's on Twitter too Twitter yeah. okay cool movie monster alright so we will see you guys next time adios thank you thank you